everyone. Welcome to another episode of Opposites React. It is episode 74 on June 23rd, 2021. I am Sarah, and I am here with Tyler. How are you, Tyler? Hi, tired. Well... I feel like I need a coffee after this. I... So... <laughs> That's nothing new for you, really, though. I didn't have coffee this morning. It was rare. What? Yeah. I don't know. You forgot. I forgot. make it for you. Yeah, it's, it's true. You didn't wake up to make it for I'm me. I'm sorry. So. It's okay. I didn't, make, I didn't, make, a, I didn't make a breakfast either, so we both We're failed. both bad. <laughs> <laughs> we canceled each other out. What you up to? Nothing much. What are you up to? <laughs> nothing ever. <laughs> <laughs> How did you... You are playing some more Super Mario Sunshine the other day? Yeah, we streamed that last night. It went better than the first couple... Well, last time, I should say. Uh, when we only beat like got one shine where this time we got like four or five so we did much better progress it felt much better and tensions were not as high between me and lucas so it was great (laughs) that's good um i've been playing i wouldn't say i've been playing more apex lately than i have been mlb but i feel like i've been better at apex that makes sense like i I I still hear anger so i would not have assumed you were doing better i'm trying to be more calm (laughs) I'm trying to I like so there's the one Apex streamer I like watching I mentioned his name to you a few times already where he's um he talked he's been doing this for I mean even before Apex he was streaming before Apex because Apex has been out for what two and a half years now I think something like that yeah so he's been streaming Apex since like day one but even before Apex he's probably playing like Call of Duty or whatever whatever you know other I don't know if he was playing PUBG before but mm. he mentioned that like yeah like years ago when he was a bit younger I mean he's in his late 20s now but he's a bit younger he definitely had issues with you know just getting angry and then obviously the anger overrides your your ability when mm-hmm. you're playing you know what I mean you're not thinking clearly when you're angry in, in a game you know your next match can be bad you're gonna blame your teammates when and yeah I mean you have bad teammates sometimes but I think a lot of times what I appreciate about his advice is that you have to look at yourself and you have to think to yourself if you lose a match in Apex okay it's like okay why did I lose how can I do better next time like what can you learn from that match you can learn something from every match win or lose maybe you had bad positioning I mean sometimes you just do get unlucky yeah you land you open up a couple bins no gun you get shot in the back yeah. Yeah, it happens right um but yeah, a lot of times it's just, you know, and obviously it helps if you know who you're playing with, if you yes. have, you know, proper communication with your teammates, if your guys all know how to coordinate together and attack, obviously you're much more efficient than three people who aren't communicating. <laughs> but um, I don't know, like for example, like I played a match just before we got on here, like half an hour ago, and I was playing with two other random teammates that none of, I mean, we all had my, I had my microphone on, but they weren't talking. So okay. we, there was no verbal communication between us, but we were all, you know, using the in-game system to ping where we were going and, uh, help each other out with revives and sharing ammo and stuff. And we end up getting the win because at the end, we all worked well together as a team and, and capitalized on the last three teams fighting. And yeah, it was just, you know, that's why I love Apex. Like sometimes those you have those good games, whether you win by yourself or you win as a team, where you just that the highs in that game are better than almost any shooter I've ever played. Um, but obviously when you're going through bad stretches where you have like 20 bad games in a row and you just want to throw your controller <laughs> out the window, then... Yeah, that happens, but um, I don't know. I'm trying to find that balance and like same thing with MLB, right? I mean, you know, in MLB, you might read the forums. People are so quick to blame the game or the server, like you know, the gameplay or the servers or their opponents doing you know cheesy things to try and win. But a lot of times, you just gotta look at again how you're playing too. Mm-hmm. And you can't get frustrated, like you know, yeah, because that's just like baseball in real life too. Sometimes you're gonna give up cheap contact hits. Some guys, sometimes guys are gonna lay perfect bunts down. Sometimes you're you know you're gonna hit a ball 110 miles an hour and you can still hit it for a line out right so mm. i mean it, it happens you know um but i don't know i'm just I'm, yeah i am trying to i ironically with mlb i find myself getting more mad at 
the offline content than I do online nowadays. Why is that? I don't know. Because I just, like, it bugs me when I'm sitting there just trying to do a moment where it'll say, like, you know, hit two home runs in, 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 in one game or something on the easiest difficulty, which should be a no-brainer, right? And I'm sitting there doing it for 20 minutes. I'm like, why can't I do this? Because I'm just... This is the Wander Frankel one you did yesterday? No, that one was okay. I'm talking about the... There was one uh, earlier last week that was really frustrating, but... Um, I don't know. It's just I yeah. When I, when I play online and you're playing an actual opponent, and most I'll be honest, most time most of the opponents I play are are straight up pretty are some good sportsmanship. You run into the occasional jerk once in a while, but uh, <laughs> and I can be the jerk sometimes too. I'll admit it. I sometimes you like to what what is the most jerk thing to do? Still like you wait on the pause screen forever just to waste each other's time and then you leave. Well, I only do that if the other person is really being a troll. <laughs> like if they're deliberately trying to waste my time. Like nothing nothing annoys me more than when you both. You both have to obviously like choose your starting pitchers and you hit start to load into a game, right? And once you load into the game, you have to press X to to actually get, actually get Move to the on. first inning. Otherwise, right. the whole pregame presentation uh... intro thing plays on, right? And it bugs me when people queue in and then I feel like they just go get a sandwich or they go to the washroom <laughs> or something. And I'm sitting there for like three minutes waiting for the game to start. And I'm like, will you hurry up? So I'll admit, when they come back after a lengthy delay, maybe they go for a smoke break. I don't know what mm. they're doing. But if they come back after a long delay, they're going to get a fastball in the head on the first yeah. pitch. It's going to happen. <laughs> and most of the times, I, yeah. I like how every time you're going to do it too, you announce it to me. This guy's getting a fastball to the head. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> oh, boy. And then I, I always love too when they, you can always tell too when I plunk somebody or, or I make someone angry in the game and they pause. And I know they're trying to message me on PSN. Oh, but you have but, it turned but off. But I, I have messages turned off if you're not on my friends list. So <laughs> you're really I, wasting so, so time. I'm sitting, so I'm sitting there waiting for one minute from the finish typing this message and realizing they can't send it. And then they come back and get all angry and start bunt, <laughs> like bunt dancing at me and stuff. So bunt dancing. Yeah. So you've had a good week. <laughs> I have. It feels like I haven't. I, I know I feel like I'm, I've just ranted for like six minutes for no reason. But, anyways, let's go to the next. Let's get. Let's do some positive stuff here. So, um, I watched a new movie today. I heard. Yes. You were I, excited. There was a price drop, and you had to watch a movie today. That's all I know. Yeah. Don't know La- what it was. Last night. I think last night we were in bed, and I was checking on the Cineplex store to see if there's anything new on there. Mm. And I noticed that a movie that I think came out back in February or March of this year finally. Um, so if you know, for the longest time it was full price, like twenty six ninety nine or whatever. Mm. If you want to rent it on the Cineplex store, and it's down to like four ninety nine now. Oh, sorry, Oof. it's four ninety nine or five ninety nine for HD. So of course oh, I'm gonna yeah. pay the extra dollar and get the HD. <laughs> so, but still, for that price, I mean, it's a cost of a normal normal rental for sure. If that's entertainment or something. So um, yeah, so I rented it uh, this morning, and I, I was gonna watch it. It's funny because I was like, okay, I'm probably gonna have to watch it. I'm gonna watch it like on my my lunch break is an hour. For yeah. those who don't know what my lunch break is, one, one of my <laughs> listeners knows. Um, so I I was like, like, okay, I'll watch it for an hour. My lunch break, and I'll have to finish the rest after work. And I looked at the runtime, and I was like, oh, it's only like 90 minutes, and that includes credits. So I'm like, maybe I can get most I, – I obviously, like, it'll have to – I'm like, I can watch most of it during my lunch break, and then maybe I can go back to work and just, like, watch it while I'm right. checking emails and stuff. So, yeah, so that's what I did. I watched the whole movie this afternoon. Um, I didn't miss any work. Don't worry. Still on the phone. <laughs> I on always me, still worry. Checking, I know you were checking up on me. I saw you. But um, yeah, the movie was like I said, really short, and uh, but it was good. So, anyways, it um, I didn't have high high expectations for it. I just knew it was going to be a. It's one of those quick action films, like a very straightforward plot. You're just there to see the action, right? Um, Do I get to know the name? Eventually, yes. Oh, eventually. Okay, okay. No, I'll tell you now. So, <laughs> again, it's a very generic title. I mean, the movie's called Nobody. Oh wow, that is super yeah. generic. <laughs> um, it's not based on anything. It's not based on okay. a graphic novel or a book or anything like that. It's just an original film. I mean, when I say original, the, the plot is very is very bare bones. And uh, so, why did you want to watch it? 
well, A, I like the main actor in it, and B, uh, like from, from watching the trailer and word of mouth and stuff I've heard, I just, like I said, it just sounds like a quick action movie that's, you know, you, I, I honestly, I watched this movie once. I Like, if someone wanted to watch it, I'd watch it again with them, but I'm not going to go out of my way to watch mm. this multiple times. It's not that kind of movie. I did appreciate the action scenes. Some of them were really creative. Um, it started out a lot slower than I expected it to, especially for a movie that, you know, kind of has to get to the points. It's only really like 85 minutes or so before credits. Right. So, but, so the main actor uh, in this movie is Bob Odenkirk. That's not um, him, I know. Most people would probably know him from either Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul. He played the oh, same character in both. Okay. So in, Better, in Breaking Bad, he was the lawyer, Saul, Saul Goodman, yeah. who which worked with Walter White and Jesse and them. And then in Better Call Saul, which was a spinoff that came out a few years ago, um, obviously the show is about his character. Right. Tying into the, the Breaking Bad universe. Because it's, it's a prequel to Breaking Bad, right? Okay. So, but... Uh, Anyway, so this movie, so nobody. Um, I'll give a very basic description of the plot. I'm not going to get any spoilers or anything here. Um, but it, once I explain the plot, it'll sound very generic to most people, too. So essentially, the movie starts off with the guy going through his morning routine. It literally, it'll, it'll, like, it'll, it'll, quick, it'll flash through a quick montage of like Monday through Friday with like the titles on screen, like saying how each day is changing. And it's literally just like, it's one of those movies where it shows the guy going through the paces of his life, like, you know, gets up in the morning, grabs his coffee, takes the, the bus to work goes into work he's like an account he's an accountant or something you can just see him working on spreadsheets all day mm-hmm. goes home doesn't seem to talk to his family that much wife probably hates him you're kind of garnering all these things from this montage he just has a very mm-hmm. mundane repetitive life so then um eventually one night uh he's he wakes up in the middle of the night he hears something and he so someone broke into his house downstairs um it looks like it seems to be a couple because they don't seem like like it's, it's a man and a woman you can tell but they don't seem very court like they're not uh, it's their first time. It's the first time. They're just like trying to break in and, and grab random jewelry and cash mm-hmm. lying around and stuff, right? So he gets the jump on them and he has a chance to to take one of them out, but he doesn't. Uh, he get, like he hesitates. He freezes up when he has he could he could hit one of them in the back with a golf club or something. Right. Only one of them had a gun, I think, from what you could tell. And then like his his teenage son, he has two kids in the movie. His teenage son like tackles one of the robbers and then you know he tells his dad to hit the other one, but again the dad hesitates. So then the you know the one robber punches the kid and they they run out of the house, right? So um. Anyway, what's revealed shortly after this is um, that the daughter's the daughter lost some kitty cat bracelet she had, and apparently it was in this bowl of money that was on the table that the thieves stole. So that because the guy didn't care about the petty stuff they stole, but now he's upset that his daughter lost her bracelet. So he goes on this mission to try and track these people down. So he he noticed that one of the, the female robber had a tattoo on her wrist. So he goes around to all these tattoo parlors to inquire about who did that tattoo or who that person might be. Mm. So eventually, he does track them down this couple and he you know he breaks into their apartment and he threatens them with a gun that um he like he, he goes to visit his dad in a nursing home before this his dad had a gun because his dad was an fbi agent so he took his dad's oh. gun to go try and track down these criminals so he, he you know he threatens the family for the bracelet they they say they don't know what about the bracelet they don't um but and you know he threatens to kill them but then uh he when he hears he hears a baby crying in the other room and he runs in the other room and he sees the baby hooked up to like a breathing machine like a ventilator and then he feels bad, obviously, he's realized that this young couple were just trying to rob, like, get some petty stuff so that they could probably pay for medical expenses and stuff. So he leaves, he leaves them alone. But then here's the, here's where the first kind of real action scene in the movie kicks in. Probably one of the best parts of the movie, in my opinion. And you can find this scene on YouTube, too, if you want to get a, an idea of what this movie is like. So he takes the bus back home, and uh, this SUV crashes next to the bus. And he's like five, it's, a, it's like a like drunk driving accident, right? This bus crashes into these you know construction pylons and these all these drunk guys get out and, and they like they get on the bus because the bus is right there oh, conveniently right oh, so they get on the bus and then um 
because like again the, the whole the way the way the, what the movie's led up to at this point his mundane life at the beginning the way mm-hmm. his family sort of resents him especially his teenage son for not helping out with the robbery attempt or whatever so you know he's he's he's, he's all pissed off now he's like okay i'm just gonna beat these guys up these group of 20 to 30 year old drunken they appear to be russians you can tell by the accents okay. <laughs> drunken russian you know five of them get on this bus so he um uh, he, he escorts the bus driver and the other passenger off the bus and then he sort of takes out his gun he empties out all the bullets and then he just gets into a big fist fight with them but what I love about the fight scene in this too so for some context you probably don't know who the actor is again the actor in this movie is 58 years old I was going to say he's older right yeah. so the actor is 58 I'm sure his character in the film is supposed to be in his late 40s early 50s they don't ever specify but you can tell he's a you know middle aged man but mm-hmm. um and so this fight scene is like it's very reminiscent of John Wick and I say that for two reasons number one is the writer of this film wrote all three of the John Wick movies. Interesting. Uh, it's produced by the guy who directed the John Wick movies. Not directed by, produced by. Right. And um, actually one of the guys that he beats up in this bus is the stunt coordinator for the John Wick movies. Okay. So you have a lot of, right? So, but where this fight feels, so, but this fight feels more like John Wick 1 where the fight scenes were kind of sloppy. Like Keanu wasn't kicking a lot of butt in John Wick 1, he was just shooting everybody. Mm. It wasn't until John Wick 2 and 3 that all of a sudden he became much more proficient in hand-to-hand fighting, especially in 3. Which kind of changed the character a bit from what you like in the first movie. He's kind of getting his butt kicked a lot in hand-to-hand fights, so that's what this one feels like. Well, again, it's one v five, so he's fighting these five guys. But again, probably the fact that most of them are drunk and mm. handicaps the fight. But they have this really violent fight on the bus, um, which is great. And then, anyways, where the plot goes from here is the problem is he he critically injures one of the guys on the bus. The young, he he hits one of the guys in the in the throat with a. What do you call it? He rips the pole off the... Oh, my gosh. Well, the pole got broken in a fight. He rips the like the pole you would hold on the yep. bus, and he cracks one guy in the windpipe with it and kind of... Um, but then he does a little... What do you call that thing when you do a... Um, and even an incision on the throat, like a, oh yeah, uh, I forget what it's called. I but... can't remember. Call it tracheotomy or something. Yeah. Tracheotomy to let the guy's air come out. So, anyways, that guy that ends up in the hospital ends up being the son of like not son, sorry, he ends up being the brother of this big Russian gangster. Of course. And from that point on, the whole movie turns into the Russian gangster wants to get revenge on this guy. I never mentioned his name by the way. The main character's name is Hutch. So they want to get revenge on Hutch for the for his brother being hospitalized or whatever. And the plot goes. So my point is like the whole movie stems from kind of like an, a mistake because again he tracks down this couple that robbed his house at the beginning that he thought had his daughter's bracelet but they didn't have the bracelet and if it wasn't if, you, if he wasn't out that night he probably wouldn't have taken the bus home and ran into this russian gang and then hurt the guy you know what i mean so it's all it all it all just escalates from there no big snowball um but like i said the movie is very short and to the point uh, not a lot of filler once especially once that action scene kicks in the rest of the film from there is just go 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 um and it turns out so like and where people are really wondering if this movie actually does connect with the John Wick universe in any way besides all the connections I already mentioned is because so the character Hutch is revealed to be um, what he called an auditor meaning but not in the literal sense he, he meant that he was someone that like the CIA or FBI would send to assassinate people off the books right oh. so, so he is an assassin but he's, now he's living the normal family life you know what I mean um, so for the rest of the movie you can see his skills coming back he kills a lot of people the rest of the movie <laughs> Um, this is revealed like halfway through. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because like at one point, what is it? One of the the Russians try to like they have a contact at the Pentagon. They try and get some information on the guy, on because they know who Hutch is, and well, they find out. I'm not gonna mention how they find out who he is. They try and run some background on him, and then when they're trying to, when the guy at the Pentagon is trying to go through all the files, he sees everything's like redacted and classified, oh. and so then you find out it's why he worked for the government before. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it's a really good action film. I think for five five or six bucks, whatever, it's definitely worth checking out. If you want to rent it on the Cineplex store or wait for it to come on Netflix or Amazon sometime. I think it was really good. Um, like I said, I enjoyed it. It gave me what I 
wanted out or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and a good enough runtime where you're like you nothing slowed down and you didn't right. get bored. No, for sure. Yeah, it was really well paced and and also the one of the it wasn't like there's not a lot of actors in it. I say the main cast at least have named actors probably only like eight or nine people deep, but. Um, Someone who had a lot more screen time than I thought than I thought he would, which is kind of cool, was his Hutch's dad in the movie. Because so if Hutch is in his fifties, his dad's probably like in his eighties. Yeah. The, the actor is played by it's Christopher Lloyd, who most people would probably know as Doc Brown from the Back to the Future movies. Oh yeah. yeah. You don't see him in a lot of stuff anymore. No. Obviously because of his age, but yeah. he was really good in this movie, and he, he gets to have a cool action scene near the end. <laughs> so I'll just leave it at that. But yeah, nobody. Good film. <laughs> I like see again, and I mentioned to you earlier the reason why I really like Bob. I really like Bob Odenkirk in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, especially in Better Call Saul. His character gets a lot more development, but he's mostly been known as a comedic actor. Have you really? Yeah, oh yeah. And in this movie, like for him to do, he did I think ninety percent of the stunts in this movie by himself. I was mm-hmm. watching some behind the scenes stuff on YouTube where he's working with the stunt coordinator, and they're saying like, yeah, he really like wanted to do this stuff by himself, and you know. And again, this is like this is a small budget film, and it shows. There's like there's not a lot of actors, not a lot of big action set pieces and CGI. Still, like, the John Wick people don't aren't cheap. And... No, no, no. But yeah, so again, I don't know. I, I'm, people are always speculating if they're going to somehow try and connect this with the John Wick universe somehow. Like, it'd be cool if like Hutch somehow runs crosses paths with John Wick in one of these future films. That'd be interesting. But as just an Easter egg thing. But. Mm. So uh, that leads me into my topic tonight, which will be. And this won't take up very much time, by the way. I know we have spent a lot more time talking already than I intended to. It sounds like every week. I know, right? I just go on rants. And <laughs> I should just stop looking at the clock. So the topic tonight, after watching the movie today, I thought to myself, what are, like, I try to make a list. I tried to initially make it off the top of my head, then I had to look up some other ones just to make sure my numbers were correct. But I want to make a list of movies that are, like, 90 minutes or less. And I'm being a little... There's a little bit of creative, because some movies, some movies on this list are like 94, 95 minutes, but again, that includes credits. So I'm saying most of these movies on this list are going to be like no more than 90 minutes before credits. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, some are, I don't, I don't think any are less than 80, because that would be like, then you're getting into like documentary territory. Mm. Most movies, I'd say, are between 80, 80 to like 100 minutes. Okay. Um, that are on this list, I mean. And then afterwards, I'm going to talk a bit about why I think movies have gotten away from that and why everything nowadays feels so bloated. Every movie has to be over two hours mm-hmm. nowadays, but... So anyways, I'm going to mention them on the list and you just give a brief, maybe one or two sentence thing about like why I think these movies are good for being short. You okay. know what I mean? Like why it's a benefit. Cool. So outside of Nobody, which we just mentioned, um, another movie, I guess, which would be similar to this genre, I guess you could say, would be the first Liam Neeson Taken. Oh. That one's like just around 91 minutes. And again, that's good because Taken is like, it has a very basic premise. Mm-hmm. And once the plot kicks in, it just keeps going. Right. There's no filler. There's no slowdown. Just Liam Neeson kicking butt for the second <laughs> half of that movie. Um, yeah, and I think it works to its benefit. And I don't know. I think the sequels got a little longer. Like, Taken 2 and 3 might be closer to, like, the two-hour range. Mm. But, yeah, I don't know. I just think Taken is a perfect example of, like, yeah, that uh, straightforward action plot. You know, you establish the characters in the first 20 minutes or so, mm-hmm. and then you have your main conflict, and then from there it just escalates into, you know, and you don't need a huge elaborate set piece to wrap up the whole thing, you know, like, Spoiler for those who haven't seen it, at the end of Taking, he does get his daughter back. <laughs> so there's a good, has a happy ending there. But uh, another one on the list, I actually just, I started watching this on, is that on Netflix? Yeah, I think I've watched this on Netflix recently. Because uh, I hadn't watched this in years, actually. But I, I loved this movie when it first came out. Uh, 
I think it came out, came out in 07, by the way. So it's going to be on the... <laughs> I'll do a deep dive on that 07 list yeah. one day. But Shoot 'em Up. Remember that movie? I love Shoot 'em Up. Clive Owen. Love that And movie. Paul Giamatti, Monica Bellucci. It's great. I think this one's just right around... Even with credits, probably around like 85 minutes. Like, it's... And again, this one... But this one, Shoot 'em Up is literally... Movie starts with a bang. Like, the yes. first... It kicks in the action in the first 10 minutes. And the music is so good. Oh, the music is too. so good. Soundtrack. Yeah. I don't know. And it's one of those movies you don't see anymore. The movie's I very... Know. It's very tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Like, it doesn't take itself seriously at all. No. It's a lot of absurd stuff from the plot. Um, and you can tell it was low budget. They had to do some creative things with the... There's, like, a skydiving scene, which you can tell is totally yeah. CG. <laughs> or, like, with a green screen. But, um... But yeah, it's, it's such an. I was watching it on Netflix recently. I only intended to watch like the first half hour or so, and I just like I'd watch the whole thing in one sitting because <laughs> it's just so good. So yeah, definitely check that one out. Shoot 'em up, it's called. Um, when I when I was looking at this list too, I noticed that a lot of movies that fall into this category, this time constraint, tend to be comedies and and horror films. Yeah. Um. So I try not to put too many of the same ones on the list, but I just wanted to point out the ones that I think again are good and that i've watched seen a lot of times so the next one on this list in terms i know you're gonna roll your eyes at this but for in terms of comedy in terms of a comedy that i think is perfectly paced it's not tropic thunder don't worry that one's probably that one is is probably closer to two hours yeah i I fell asleep no the first anchorman film oh i haven't watched it yeah the first anchorman now i saw anchorman 2 which i think again is a bit longer because they cramped so many cameos in anchorman 2 Mm -hmm. but anchorman 1 was very for those who don't know like will ferrell steve carell paul rudd Anchorman 1, I think, is a classic. So has so many quotable lines to this day. It's been out for like, I think it was like 17 years ago it came out. But still, so many quotable lines. And that movie is just one absurd, like, it just jumps from one thing to another of absurdity. And I don't know. It's one of those movies that I feel like, like most comedies I watch, um, you know, like I'll, I'll laugh, obviously. Usually, I hope I laugh at least a few times <laughs> when I'm watching a comedy. But it's rare when I rewatch a comedy that I'm laughing at the yeah. same jokes over and over. But Anchorman always gets me. Whether it's Steve Carell's dumb lines or Will Ferrell just <laughs> playing such a buffoon in that movie, even fun. all the characters have great moments. Even the villains, like they have this. For those that haven't seen it, they have this huge fight near the end of the film where like all these cam- you have all these cameos. You have like Ben Stiller show up and Vince Vaughn and who else showed up? Uh, but anyways, a bunch of dumb. There's a bunch of dumb cameos in that film, but yeah, I love the first Anchorman. Um, the first Toy Story, surprisingly, I in my head I would have never expected the first Toy Story to be like 83 minutes. It feels longer than that. But maybe when you're a kid, you're right? just like, oh my gosh, it's over an hour. But if you think about it, yeah, when you're watching it, really, again, once the plot kicks in, which basically is like the introduction of Buzz Lightyear, once that happens right. in the film, from there, it's just the plot is go, 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 right? And I find that, I find that very interesting because obviously Toy Story is iconic for a lot of reasons, whether you just want to talk about it from Pixar's perspective or just from its impact on the toy industry and how right. that blew up in North America and stuff. But. I think it's very interesting that Toy Story is so short because they had to establish so many characters in such a short amount of time, yeah. right? And and I think it's interesting, too, that with that, the sequels got so much longer mm. for no reason, really. Like, you know, you already have your characters established. Why do the sequels need to be over two hours? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's really most of the same core cast each right? time. Yeah, so I don't know. But, yeah, the first Toy Story, for sure, is, I think, definitely the most rewatchable. For sure. Um, and kids, obviously. It's a great instructory to the kids. Um for the attention span, like you mentioned. Uh, here's another good, uh, I guess you call this a thriller, drama, I don't know what category you, genre you categorize this under, but uh, Phone Booth, remember that movie? Yes, I do. With Colin Farrell, uh, Kiefer Sutherland. So again, a movie where you have a very basic premise, yes. where you couldn't imagine it being much longer, because otherwise no. then you're really just run. you're pushing the, uh, the what's it called, the um, 
kind of thing we're looking for. You're pushing the uh, believability of yeah. the scenario, like if you make it two hours long. So again, that movie is just very much once the plot kicks in, which is like within the first 15 minutes or so, it's you know constant tension from that point on. And uh, with a cool ending, I like the ending of that film a lot. Um, but yeah, that's what I like about these films too. Like the other ones I mentioned so far, and even a few more on this list later on, is that I feel like movies that have a runtime like this, where you know you have a good, you have a good script, and a lot of time these movies have really solid conclusions. Like nothing gets drawn, nothing things get drawn out or feel like they just abruptly end for no reason. Well, maybe it's because we don't make. It's not long enough to make five billion thread lines that you have to conclude in the end. Right. Yeah. So it's more concise. And a lot of the movies, and even though a lot of the movies on this list I've mentioned so far uh, have had sequels, um, I feel like a lot of the mo- a lot of the ways these films ended wasn't necessarily sequel beat. You know what I mean? Okay. Like they didn't end with a yeah. huge cliffhanger to like a next to, like, film oh, or something. Oh crap! It made money. Right. I feel like these films, they, yeah, these films made a lot of money, and then they thought, oh, well, we'll make another one now, <laughs> and then we'll make it longer. <laughs> yeah. So, um, the next one on the list, um, it's not an interesting one. So, uh, Saw Two. Oh, I thought Saw One was gonna make the list. No, Saw 1 was actually longer than Saw 2, oh, okay. which I find interesting. But again, I like that Saw 2 did that because, again, you have, like, Jigsaw's character is already established yes. from the first film. You obviously have a new cast of characters for this one. Mm-hmm. I think it was all new. I think so, too. Except for, yeah. yeah. But, again, like, one again in Saw 2, it's like once, because I think most of Saw 2 takes place in one area, where Saw 1 was a little more all over the place. Saw 2 mostly takes place in one house. Yes. Once everybody's sort of there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think Saw 2, again, had a very straightforward plot once, I mean, obviously it has a twist at the end, like every Saw film does, but mm-hmm. once the actual traps and stuff kicked in, it was just sort of like constant. There, there was, cause there was like a time constraint in this one. There wasn't really a time constraint in the first one, was there? Like, well, you're bleeding out and dying and staying well, no, there forever. Well, I'm talking about, yeah, like obviously you had the two characters that were stuck in the room yeah. together when their, their, their legs were chained to the wall, but I'm trying to remember, the, like in this one, it's just more like, cause like the... And you would have died of malnutrition down there. Like minor spoiler in Saw Two, which you find out very early on, the main character's film, main character's a detective. His son gets kidnapped by Jigsaw, and he's apparently, you know, the detective has to find him before a certain amount of time runs out, or else he'll suffocate or asphyxiate okay. or whatever. So that, that time constraint drives the whole second right. half of that film. Um, but yeah, Saw Two, I thought, and again, the, the Saw sequels after that got very more, much more bloated in terms of runtime. Yeah, I haven't seen anything like Fast um, Three. So. Yeah. Next one on the list. Uh, don't I don't want to hear any comments out of you on this. I'm going to oh. keep this very brief and then move on because I know you're going to kill me already. Lock. <laughs> already Conwell laughed. The donkey. Stop. No, stop it. <laughs> She's so... wearing the shirt though. <laughs> no, 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 no one knows what you're talking about. If you've seen Lock, you understand. Yeah, if you've seen Lock, you would terrible, empathize with me. It's a great film. film. Sarah's such a jerk. <laughs> So terrible. don't even bother talking about it. This whole movie, the reason why this movie is short, and again, why the runtime works in this case, is the whole like movie... phone booth in a car. Right. The whole movie takes place with a, one character in a car. Like, he's driving from one destination to another, and along the way, um, he has to take a bunch of phone calls, either dealing with his work or his family life or et cetera, marital distress mm-hmm. that's going on. But... Mm-hmm. So the main, the main character in this one is Tom Hardy. Shot. Mm-hmm. He, he gives a great performance, um, and I really enjoy the movie, even though Sarah doesn't. It's actually, considering how bare bones the plot is in this film, I am surprised I've actually rewatched it so many times. But that's supposed to be more to do with the performance. And actually, I think the writing is really good. Aside from, I know you're stupid, <laughs> what you're going to say, but. I didn't, though. <laughs> anyways. Unfortunately, I don't think this one's on any streaming services. Not anymore, so, no. no. So it's hard to track down. But if you ever oh, do no. happen. All right, moving on. 
I can't. I can't do this with Sarah. <laughs> uh, next one is a sci-fi movie that came out, I think, just over a decade ago called Moon. Do you remember that one? Did I, show you I that know one? the game Moon. I don't know if I know no. the movie Moon. So the movie Moon stars Sam Rockwell, and it takes place, the whole movie takes place, as the title states, is on the moon. Um, but it, it's, I'm not going to get too much into the plot because it's a really cool twist and a really good, um, really good ending as well. But mainly, the main point is the character is a, um, well, he's an astronaut on stuck on Mars for part of like a three-year mission or something and um you know he ventures out um there's a communications issue like with one of the satellites so he ventures out to go find it to find out what the issue is and when he gets there he finds something you know very troubling that i'm not going to spoil what it is but that drives the rest of the plot but once that moment happens i'd say probably 20 minutes into the movie as most examples i mentioned on this list so far i feel like the, once the plot kicks in this movie it really gets going right. and it's real but it's really good again because it's a movie Similar to a couple of others I mentioned on this list already, where you're mainly mainly focused on one character the whole time. Mm. You know, there's not a lot of people for him to interact with, so he has to carry it by himself. And he does a great job in this movie. Um, like most of the time, he's talking to a robot, like an AI robot. So it's not even like there's another person there to talk to. But he's stuck on the moon by himself. So I don't know if it's on the Netflix still or not. It might be on Amazon. Go check it out though. It's a really good film. Next is this one I haven't seen in, in a number of years, but I remember liking it a lot when I saw. It. I think it came out when I was in high school, so it's probably at least twenty. 20, it's almost 20 years old by now, I think, but it's called Identity. Do you remember this one? Identity? No, not at all. Stars like John Cusack, Ray Liotta, um, who else in it? Alfred Molina. I'm trying to think of a bunch of other actors that you would probably recognize. But uh movie is about a bunch of people at a motel. Um, you know, like obviously people that run the hotel and then a bunch of guests that come there during the night. I think I mean, there's like a huge storm, like a you know, huge rainstorm. All the people are trying to find shelter for the night, so they stop at this motel. And uh, during during the night, a bunch of people get killed in the motel. So there's like a serial killer sort of thing going on. I'm not going to spoil the rest of the plot past that, but I'll say it gets into some really cool stuff. Um, like there's a lot. There's a, it's one of those movies where it's just like you know you have like say 12 people at this motel and people are dying off and you don't know who the killer is. Everybody suspects each other and. Uh, there's a huge twist at the end that I think is really cool. Um, but yeah, so uh, it was directed by James Mangold, who did like um, like 310 Yuma, um, Logan, what else he done? Um, uh, 19, no, that was Sam Mendes, I think it's somebody else. Who else he done? He did something else I really liked. James Mangold. I didn't know the 310 Yuma guy also made Logan, so that's news to me. Yeah, he's a really good director, though. He did Walk the Line. Okay. I, was thinking of, but I like Logan. Identity, though. Really good film. Um, again, not sure if it's on a streaming service, but if you can find it, it's a really cool, like, thriller. And again, it's, it's obviously, like, 90 minutes, so it gets to the point, you know. Right. Keeps moving the plot. Um, next one, just by... Okay, I was going to say, I'm going to say this is the most recent one on the list until I just saw the one below it. So <laughs> this one came out, I think, five or six years ago. Um, this was a horror film that I went to go see in theaters because I heard a lot of hype about it. Um, I remember seeing the trailer. It kind of intrigued me. But just the premise of it sounded really cool. So this movie's called Don't Breathe. Have we talked about this one before? I, I feel I'll remember once. It's about, a, it's about a group so a group of young teen, teens, early 20s. They they want to break into this guy's house. <gasps> yes, I remember this one. So they break into the house of a blind man. And when they get in there, they find out, like, the blind man kind of catches them in the act trying to rob him. But obviously they think, well, we can just get away because he's a blind guy, right? What does it matter? But the blind guy gets really close and incapacitates one of the robbers and kills him with the gun and then the other two people have to hide throughout the house while this blind guy tries to stalk them through the house and obviously he knows the layout of his house and mm-hmm. they don't so even though he's blind he still has sort of an advantage mm-hmm. there's some really tense scenes where we were like they're in the basement and like obviously like he turns the lights off so they're all fumbling through the dark oh, right, and yes. like it's just a really, it's a really intense film and i was actually surprised to learn they're making a sequel out of it oh really um but this time i think it's really weird this time i think the blind guy it's not the same. He's at a museum. No, no. Like the blind guy is being basically um, 
uh, robbed again in this film by different by different um, oh, cast of people. Not the same from the first film, but uh, the thing is, like the first movie made you want you to feel sympathetic towards the blind guy. Obviously, when they rob him until the end, until the end, when there's a lot of reveals that maybe he's not such a good guy yeah. after all. <laughs> so, um, I'm they're making a sequel where it's like he's getting victimized again. I'm like, are they gonna make us feel bad for him again, or is it just gonna, <laughs> gonna be like flip-flopping. right? So I don't know, but. I'll probably still check. I really did like the first one. Mm-hmm. And again, it was a short, like, 85-minute movie. Just got to the point. Because, again, you're, the whole movie takes place in one house. Mm-hmm. There's only so much you can do yeah. without stretching the credibility of it. But mm-hmm. And the last one on the list here, which, again, just got a recent sequel. Um, this one just came out, what, a few, three three years ago, maybe? Uh, a Quiet Place. Oh, uh, yeah. That was with, I know you uh, liked A Quiet Place. Yeah. John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Um, and again, the reason why this movie is so, why it's so short and why the the runtime works so well for it is that most of the movie, for those that haven't seen it, the characters don't talk a lot because obviously the main point of the film is you're supposed to be quiet because there's these monsters like aliens that hunt by sound, so there's not a lot of there's obviously not a lot of dialogue in the film because with the, you know with the quiet place you know the movie starts with a bang starts with like a really traumatic event in the first five mm-hmm. minutes or so and then from there you know it establishes obviously your main characters and the set because again the setting mostly takes place on one farm like one area so but i don't love the i don't love the story though i think what they do is why okay they make another baby but right. in the world that they live in why would you do that it just seems like a plot device that doesn't need to be there but otherwise it's a good movie fair enough yeah people had the complaints when the film first came out it just adds some more tension to the some parts yeah. of the film but um but it was a really good film and i've heard great things about the sequel which is out now i think in if you have theaters open, or we actually, it's, it's, at the, playing the at, it's playing at the drive-in near us, so I might go check it out at the drive-in. But yeah, that's my list of, I don't know, 12 films or so, I think, that, uh, that I think are really good for, for a quick runtime. I was trying to think of when the runtimes got stupidly long. Was it started with Titanic? No, it didn't start with Titanic. I mean, Titanic was obviously a huge offender of that, but no, no, I mean, there's there's been films... I mean, when did runtime? Okay, like obviously, runtimes have always been a thing. Like even going back to like the sixties and seventies, there's been films that have been over two, oh, two okay. and a half hours. When did it become more common? If it, if that's your question, I would say in the last decade or so. Yeah, I would say yeah. like the Lord of the Rings of the world and stuff like so that. So that would be twenty years ago. But yeah, like you're right. The Lord of the Rings. I would say generally, anytime we're talking about movies based on books, yeah, they're always going to be longer because they're trying to cram so much in. Mm-hmm. They're obviously not going to do everything that's in a book. That's why a lot of times movies are broken up over multiple film entries because they especially don't especially your last entry but I, what's that <laughs> especially last entries of books always get two parts oh, right <laughs> but then you know then you have silly things like you know why do you turn the hobbit into three movies that exactly. book is so short i know that like, always bothers me yeah. but even it's interesting to look at an example like say like quentin tarantino for example his first couple of films like reservoir dogs and pulp fiction were like reservoir dogs was like 98 minutes or so pulp fiction i think was under two hours but after that point once he started getting into like kill bill kill bill territory mm-hmm. And then obviously, like, you know, um, Glorious Bastards and Django and even Once Upon a Time in Hollywood recently, his films are definitely over like two and a half hours now. So, again, I don't know if that's just because obviously he has a bigger budget now and he wants he's, his scripts have gotten much bigger and he wants to just cram so many more interesting things in. But, yeah, like it's um, – and, again, you see it a lot too. Like as a lot of examples I mentioned on this list, usually the first film in a franchise or in a series right. is the shortest. And then from there they keep getting longer and longer. Because there's just more plot threads to tie in, you have bigger budgets to deal with, and it's just you know, like take take James Bond films for example too. I think the earlier James Bond films, like the Sean Connery films, were probably under I'd say between an hour forty to two hours. Right. And then once you get into, or even the Pierce Brosnan ones weren't that bad. But I feel like the Daniel Craig ones have definitely gotten it's too Skyrim, long. Not 
Skyrim. Skyfall. Skyfall. <laughs> yeah, Skyfall. Well, Casino Royale was, I think, like two two hours fifteen. Didn't feel that long though, but Skyfall no. felt Casino, long. No, Casino, Casino Royale is a great film. And it's well paced, but when you talk, when you start getting into Skyfall and Spectre, they're just way too yeah. long. Yeah. The Mission Impossible films, I think, are generally around two hours, like not much longer than two hours. So they those feel those good usually too. those are well paced. Um, yeah, but it's yeah. Um. You're right. I mean, it's it's yeah. Certain directors are guilty James of Cameron. well. Okay, well, okay. You want to talk about the worst offender for for runtimes? It's it's uh, Zack Snyder. Oh, of course. How every Zack every Zack Snyder film was half an hour too long, and that's even before you consider the director's <laughs> I, cuts and the enhanced no, cuts and everything. No, you know why it's too what? long. Slow mo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You take the slow mo. You take 20 minutes out of every one of his films. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and then you can take another 30 minutes out of ridiculous plot that he puts mm. in for no reason. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. Yes. Um, and I'll, I'll admit it. One of my favorite directors is guilty of this lately too. I'd say Christopher Nolan. His movies definitely yeah. need to be like twenty minutes shorter. Because again, his first couple of films like Memento, Insomnia, Batman Begins was a little over two hours, I think. But yeah, once he started getting into like um, Dark Knight Rises, Inception territory, stuff just got too long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How long is Tenet? Um, I don't know, two hours, ten minutes maybe. Because that's a lot to explain. True. See, ten, Tenet's an example of a movie that could have been a bit longer yeah. to explain so much. Yeah. But yeah. So, anyways, I guess we'll start wrapping this up soon. Um, do you want to give the email shout out? Uh, if you have any 90 minute or less movies that you think are awesome, maybe like the Pokemon movie or something like that, uh, you can email us at whenoppositesreact at gmail.com. So, you know what? I think, yeah, I think I want, I think I want, I think I want to start doing it next week. I, I, oh, I teased, no. Here we go. Yeah, I teased before that I want to start doing that deep 2007. dive. <laughs> deep dive into the, the year of 2007 um and all the great films that came out that year so i might i might do that next week you're gonna do research and everything i know i'm probably gonna try and cap it at like three to four movies per podcast because i don't want to i want to make it I'm gonna, I'm gonna spread out too it's not gonna be like i'm not gonna do them back to back for like four weeks like, mm. if I, like if i do one next week i won't do another one until probably like mid-july and then maybe another one in august i'll space them out a little bit are you doing them chronologically yes okay. i'm gonna do them chronologically and then maybe by the end, I'll do some kind of ranking list, which would be kind of cool. Oh, there yeah. you go. So I'm mildly amused. Hopefully, most people, like, if, if people, I mean, I would figure that most people have a mild interest in this podcast, like movies. <laughs> you because hope so. Because if you don't, I mean, we, I don't talk about video game and sports stuff that much to kind of offset. Like, if you're listening, if you're listening to this podcast just for video game and sports, you're probably tuning in like once a month. And if you hear me talk, talk about movies, it's just like, oh, well, I'll wait till next week. <laughs> I try and balance it out, but there's only so many sports and video games things I can talk about without feeling redundant. Whereas I feel like with movies, I can I can come up with so many different topics and and avenues of discussion that you know, like today, like today's for example, like literally, I didn't really have a, have a topic for tonight until I watched that it's movie this afternoon, and then in my head, I was like, oh, let's do a topic about this because this might be a cool idea. So I like when they come organically like that. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. So uh, again, I hope everybody enjoyed the podcast tonight. Uh, and uh, we appreciate all your support as always feel free to send us an email we'd love to hear your thoughts and we'll be back same time next week bye